This is an ABC podcast. Hi, I'm Maggie Dent and this is Parental as Anything, the podcast that helps you become the parent you want to be. Tantrums. Oh, fascinating, really, aren't they? So we know that tantrums can involve screaming, kicking, hitting, howling, lying on the floor, tears, sometimes forced. They're hard to miss. So the tantrum can be from a repeated sense of saying no to the lollies, but you know it can also happen sometimes when you say no to the biscuit before dinner, um, you've got the green cup, not the red cup, or you have cut their sandwich in the wrong shape. Oh, my sister looked at me funny and then at dinner time at the end of a day they're often a bit tired so they're a bit more prone aren't they so how do you respond as a parent especially when you've had like three hours sleep the night before and maybe had to work all day do you do the softy softy a naggy naggy or does there end up being an irrational shout that comes out of your angry place just give it a go. You might. You never know. You might really like it. You can even hold it like a Viking if you want. Boys, no. Oh, back at the table, please. You're going to go hungry. No, no dessert. No milk. No, no anything. Well, oh, I'm not sure yet. Concentrate, please. I don't know. You need to have a go, please. I'm sick and tired. Every time we have dinner, I can't please every one of you, can I? That's yours, Ollie. This one's yours. Please. Enough! I'm <laughs> sorry. As a parent, <laughs> oh my goodness, that, that reminded me of some of my days around the dining table. So as a parent, there are days that it doesn't matter how mature you are, that your patience will run out. And it doesn't matter about your intentions, but all of a sudden, just like that poor dad, everything just goes a bit yuck. So you do realise that the frustration that he's feeling has now flipped into anger, just exactly as it does for so many of our children when things don't work the way they want or they haven't got what they want. So we're going to dive in and look at kids' anger and we also want to explore parents' anger and how we can manage that better around our children who are unpredictable, messy, chaotic and often very noisy. I'm talking today to a former actress, a mother, an author, and one of the most popular voices about everything parenting, particularly for under fives, who is based in the US, Janet Lansbury. Janet is a wonderfully wise woman who became a parent like so many of you and suddenly realised, oh my goodness, it was really hard work. You know, it didn't come as naturally as everybody said it would come. So she found herself a resource for infant educators that was written by a wonderful wise lady called Magna Gerber. Janet is the author of No Bad Kids and Elevating Childcare, and I'd love to welcome you to our wonderful chat about anger. Oh, thank you so much, Maggie. Uh, This is one of my favourite topics. I've noticed it is the most challenging one for all of us. 
I mean, emotions are very challenging for, for us as parents uh, in ourselves and with our children. And I think anger's got to be at the top of the list. Totally agree with you on that one. Now, before we dive into that, can you give us a, a little bit of a background on how you got to be doing this work? Because that's not where you started. Yes, yes, yes. I had a baby who is, was quite intense and she still is, but you never really know it now. She's just very accomplished and makes everything look easy. But she was a intense baby with a lot of feelings and a lot of <laughs> anger, probably. I had also an intense uh, firstborn. And I just wish somebody had told me that that crying wasn't necessarily a sign I was a lousy parent. He responded so intensely to things um, and often, you know, being able to try and stop it rather than allowing it, understanding it and trying to work out what was under that. Is That's really the shift that we're, we're encouraging in today's parenting, isn't it? Yes. And it starts with our perception of it. Yeah. It starts with how we perceive and hopefully we are working at normalizing feelings, <laughs> emotions, all the emotions. So Janet, we know that there are basically three brains and there's the primitive brain at the bottom, the amygdala, which is very, very simplistic, which is all about flight fight. Then we have the limbic brain, which is the emotional brain. And that's all very much where our emotions are triggered from. And then you have a prefrontal cortex at the front, which isn't finished until we're in our mid twenties, which helps us calm down both the primitive brain and the limbic brain. So in children, they're not very good at that. So what's really happening underneath possibly? What's going on in their little brains as well, Janet? Well, in their brains, uh, it's the amygdala that feeds the information that it takes in from their world to either their, uh, their cortex, which is the thinking part of the brain, or to the limbic system. And if there is a lot of emotional impact, it goes to the limbic system. So the amygdala is actually hijacking your thinking part of the brain. And you literally become totally unreasonable. It's so easy when you see it, is that basically all of a sudden, no longer have you got a rational thinking child in front of you. You've got one into um, a completely irrational place with lots of big, ugly feelings because that has been hijacked. Yeah. So there may be reasons that make sense for people to be angry, for children to be angry, but when they're in the emotion, they are completely unreasonable. They, We are literally, all of us, out of our minds. We're <laughs> out of our... <laughs> and I think that's important for us to know as parents because it responding with, stop it. What are you doing? What's the matter with you? With our own... Uh, anger because our child is being unreasonable. Well, yes, they're being unreasonable for a reason <laughs> that they've lost their minds. And there's no intention. <laughs> Your child or toddler doesn't sit there and go, right, I just think I'm going to get angry right now and see if I can get what I want. There is actually not. The big, ugly feelings come up and they feel uncomfortable. Cortisol feels uncomfortable. Yes. So why, why are parents so worried that when their children get angry and flip their lid and lose it? What is triggering us underneath? Well, there's one theory that makes a lot of sense to me, and that is actually Magda Gerber said this, that we have all, most of us, repressed a lot of emotion because that was the way that we were raised. And, and so we did not express these feelings. And therefore, when our child does, it can tap right into 
this well of the unexpressed feelings don't go away. They get bottled up inside and they cause us to have a lot of behaviors that aren't helpful in life. Yeah. But when children go there, it can trigger us to our own. And then I think there are, are other triggers as well. If our child has a behavior that we were criticized for or uh, shamed for, then we are going to relive that shame when our child is doing those behaviors. I often also think, and this has kind of been an intuitive sense, I do a lot of work you know, early on around how do I calm the children in my class and what could I do around home to help us be a little calmer. But really some of our children's nervous systems are already overloaded with a busy lifestyle and so much going on. All all our parents are busier, but our expectations are also more. So sometimes our children don't have much space before they can lose it. So it's not just the fact that they can't access a prefrontal cortex because they haven't really developed one. But sometimes there's just too much going on. So chaos, rigidity, um, unrealistic expectations can be so frustrating for little ones. Yes. Um, And we respond because we do take it really personally. Absolutely. And I think we also get afraid. Yikes, that there's, this person's going to be a mass murderer, yeah, this child, yeah, this yeah. baby. <laughs> because we see this adult, it's very, very hard. One of the reasons anger is so challenging as parents is it's, it's very hard to empathize with anger, <laughs> with anyone. It's hard. We can empathize with a sad child. We can maybe empathize with a frustrated child. Those feelings are often behind anger. Anger can be, it can be very complex. There's a lot of different emotions that lead to it. Fear, frustration, sadness. But the angry child, because we get flooded with hormones and this adrenaline. So children seem to be just like all of us. When we're angry, we can get that red in the face kind of superpower feeling. And so (laughs) it doesn't, they don't look like someone that we want to feel for. They look scary and mean and awful. And, and it's Uh, understanding. It's very intimidating. I just had a vision of trying of some of the times trying to get one of my younger children into the car seat when they seriously didn't want to leave. And, you know, you do, you can be there for so long, giving them all the suggestions why it's time to leave and could they please and what. And in the end, sometimes you just, it's just, hang on a minute. Everyone gets angry and that's not a good space to be. But gee whiz, they're the sorts of things, aren't they? Sometimes our toddlers can get really upset and really angry because you've used the wrong colour cup or you've cut their sandwich in the wrong shape. And we know that's a completely unreasonable thing to get angry about. However, that's actually quite valid in a world where they're trying to claim their own sense of autonomy and finding their own sense of identity. Yes. Because otherwise they're just going to be, you know, controlled by us. So it's being able to um, not only validate that anger is a normal emotion and that it needs to come out rather than be shut down, it does take a lot of time, however, doesn't it, Janet, for us to be able to, you know, be the emotional coaches that our children need? Yes. That's why I don't think we should even expect the slightest bit of empathy out of ourselves. Acceptance is what we should go for. Being able to consider, and some people maybe need to do this with a therapist, to look at our triggers, look at it and understand this as our own, to take ownership of what is ours in the situation versus what is our child. So that doesn't keep bleeding into the situation Mm -hmm. uh, and blinding us. 
to what's really going on because we'll get blinded, we'll project all these things if we don't make peace with what happened to us as children, how we were handled. Yes. So yeah. understanding that piece and then having this low expectation for ourselves around the anger, just acceptance, just letting it be, keeping our child safe, keeping ourselves safe, seeing it as this storm that needs to pass. And the more we try to get in the way of it, the harder it's going to be for it to pass. And sometimes one of the things we often find is that underneath a boy's anger, yes, often it's frustration because they, they feel like this can't be understood, particularly by often mummy, but also sometimes because we've conditioned over you know, a very long time that vulnerable feelings for boys and men need to be hidden, again, it can often end up in, in that coming out as aggression and physically doing things. Whereas in actual fact, it might be about sadness. It might be about fear. It might be about feeling really disconnected because they've brought home a new baby. Sometimes our boys don't have the language um, with which to be able to even express anger. So sometimes that kicking and shouting and running away, often boys run when they get really angry. And I think it's not dealing with it in the moment or thinking that's bad or wrong. That's a child trying to express. That's actually their behaviour is a form of language. And that one really I'm noticing now a lot more mums starting to see that, hang on a minute, what's under my son's behaviour right now? It's frustrating for me and he looks angry. But is he angry or is there something else that allows him only to express that through those big hot feelings and those reactions? Exactly. And what you were saying before about the cup or the mm, those mm. kind of unimportant <laughs> things that seem to, it's not really about the cup necessarily. That was, that's just the final tipping point mm. after mm. there's been all these other hurts and fears and smaller uh, disappointments, frustrations that have gone on. And that's why it will help our children and ourselves if we can allow all the smaller ones to come through yes. and validate them. And this is very, very hard to do. It could be as small a thing as a child saying, I don't like this shirt. And we know <laughs> it's the shirt that our child always wears. And our natural inclination might be to say, Oh, you do. That's your favorite shirt. What are you, what are you talking about? Mm. Instead of, oh, wow, you don't like that. You don't like yeah. that today. Okay. Letting all those smaller ones come through so there isn't a, a buildup. But it's very hard because it's totally counterintuitive for most of us, including me. But I have a, I have a, just a quick story I wanted to tell. I hope this also will help explain a little bit about uh, what I advise in terms of handling the anger. So in my class, there was a mother and a son and the parents had split. The boy was three and a half, a very large for his age and very physical. His father had gotten involved with an, another partner and they were having a baby. And here was this boy moving between these two houses and he would come into class sort of vibrating um, for the hour and a half that we had together. And oftentimes it was very, what you could see is sort of positive physical behavior, but very uh, active. And it was sort of on the edge all the time. But anyway, this boy, he started acting out with some of the other children. Started, I don't even remember what it was, but I think he threw something, threw a toy. And I could see that it was about to hit the fan. <laughs> I bent over and I picked up this large three and a half year old who was 
full throttle. And I brought him over to his mother and then he started wailing on his mother and his mother, as sometimes mothers do, was allowing him to ram into her and take it out on her basically. And so I stopped him. I held him away from her and he was rolling and I was holding on to him, just holding on to his arms or holding on to his back, just however I could to kind of, I mean, I wasn't hugging him close to me at all. I was just holding him off of her and keeping him safe. I just had to trust that this was going to subside and it was going to pass. And the best thing I could do is keep him safe and allow him to go through this experience. And finally he was able to sit with his mom and start to calm down. Um, I was reading something actually just yesterday that said that it can take 20 minutes for the anger hormones to, to subside. Whew, that's a long mm, time. Mm. If you think about it. <laughs> At the start, I used to act with anger, to be honest. I used to re react to anger with anger. Cause that's the way I was brought up. That's the way life was. I mean, live in patriarchal society, you know, the father just told you straight up how it had to be. And now I realize it doesn't work. Both my boys have pretty big meltdowns. So lots of tears, lots of, one of them is particularly aggressive when he has a meltdown. So lots of hitting out at people, um, you know, screaming. So often they need to be removed into their bedrooms, have to barricade the door basically to keep them in there, just to stop the aggression, stop them throwing things, a lot of broken chairs at our house. When Loretta was a two-year-old, three-year-old, she was a really angry Ellie. little kid. She had lots of really strong Ellie. emotions. She would do things like throw things, you know, throw breakable things. Um, there was even when she was two, she went through a phase of hitting her head against her bedroom door which really concerned me you know I called maternal child health over there because I was like I'm, and they said look it's she's frustrated and that's her way of expressing it and I was like oh my goodness you know we're really different people. I remember Rohan having a pretty big meltdown in a swimming pool actually to the point that he actually vomited in the swimming pool and the instructor had to like clear the pool so I do remember that yeah that was pretty full-on <laughs> he didn't want to get in of course. So, Janet, give us some other tips, some other tips that are really easy for, for parents who've noticed that we're, you know, there's there's definitely something that's 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 about to erupt. Mm -hmm. What sorts of things can we do to hopefully stop it being a full-flooded tantrum? Uh, yeah, I feel like it's hard to, to stop it from being a full-flooded tantrum, but the best chance that we have is to really go there uh, in our acknowledgement, and that means not saying words it doesn't have to be exactly empathy, but with emphasis. Uh, it was actually Susan Stiffelman that said, they need you to, to acknowledge with 30%, <laughs> there's a percentage, 30% <laughs> of what they're getting. So, so if I came in to you, Maggie, and I said, oh gosh, I was just in a market and someone pulled out a gun and it was really scary and I got out of there, you wouldn't say, you're upset you're really upset about that. It was scary. <laughs> you would say, wow, that was scary. You wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, either to the level I was at, but you, you would acknowledge me with some understanding, some sense of that. You got it. You got my message. So if we do that, 
and children feel that they are heard and that we're not trying to put a stop to their feelings. And we, we accept their message that, Mm. Oh, you wanted that cup so badly. We don't have the cup that you want. Yeah. I love it. Ah, (laughs) That can sometimes help a child to feel, okay, she just told me I'm safe and I'm acceptable for feeling this way. Exactly. This is part of life. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm okay. It's okay that I feel this. She didn't get mad at me. She didn't tell me in some kind way that I shouldn't feel that way and invalidated me. She really is with me. She's okay with it. That means if she's okay with it or he's okay with it, I'm okay. Yeah. It's okay for me to go there. And then, you know what? I don't need to go there so far anymore. I don't need to. So yeah, it's true. Sometimes they're, they just want to be heard and seen and understood. I think sometimes we can put our children into situations that allow them to feel angry or frustrated about things. Um, that maybe if we just kind of, you know, know in those early years, some days it's just not it's just not probably the right time or the right thing. And we can be actually contributing to the overload that may be triggering it. Exactly. Yes. Having reasonable expectations of our children. <laughs> That's it. Woo. And as you said, setting them up to succeed yeah. in environments. Yeah. And then if we see, you know, if we see them starting to edge out, then we get them out of there. Not because we're not because they're bad, but because no, we don't want, we care too much about them to have them go into an angry fit in front of strangers if we can help it. And yeah, I had to do that a lot with my oldest daughter and I would forget. I remember one time she was at this birthday party outdoors in a beautiful park and she started to, I could see her behavior starting to unravel and I got her out of there and it was messy, but I got her out of there and I didn't realize till I got out of the car. Oh my, my gosh, we came, we came on an airplane that morning. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, that's the difficult thing is we can't gauge our children's uh, ability to succeed in these environments by our own feelings yeah. because we don't have that sensitivity. We're not as easily overtired and overstimulated yeah. and overdone. I want to throw a hot button topic at you just to challenge us all with the big ones. And I want to know what suggestions you have for parents for when their child channels their anger into being really nasty and aggressive towards others. So they're now kicking, biting, biting siblings, kicking kids at school and possibly even parents. What? That's a biggie for our parents because we take that even more personally than getting shouted at. There's one thing we can always say about behaviour that it comes from discomfort these behaviors. So when there's a pattern, we have to understand that our child is in a bit of a crisis emotionally. They are very uncomfortable. So how can we help them with that discomfort? It's in those moments when we show them that they are safe with us when they fall into an angry tantrum or have those feelings that we don't get mad at them. And sometimes we will, and that's human. But again, we're going to look at our triggers. We're going to try to understand why we react the same, the way we do. And we're going to see that our child doesn't want to be this person. Our child is uh, struggling 
And it's, there's, it's a sad thing if you really look at it. And frightening. And frightening. Yeah. It's frightening when there's that intensity around things. I think, so being able to understand developmentally is, is a helpful thing around parents. And knowing this too shall pass. This it's too a storm. shall pass. It's, and this is my yeah. child's feeling. It's not yeah. about me. Yeah. Uh, and this will pass and, and yeah. just let it be. Let it be. Love it. And then every time we do that, we create another feeling of safety in our child. And if we accidentally go the other way and we do get triggered, then we're adding to their feeling of uh, insecurity and, and therefore creating more of the behavior. So it's not that we're, we should beat ourselves up for that. It's just that we should notice, okay, um, I sent it a little more that direction now. And so I'm going to work on giving him the safe message, the safe, you're acceptable message. Yeah. Because this too will pass. Their prefrontal gets better. So, Janet, we could talk for about a week and still probably have more to chat about on this topic. I know. So I just want to say thank you so much for your beautiful wisdom and your beautiful message to the world about respecting our little ones, that they're not projects to manage, that they're already quite capable individuals and they deserve to be heard and they deserve to be loved as much as we can and also... Um, give them opportunities to allow these big, ugly feelings to come out instead of being suppressed. Thank you. So remember at the beginning of this episode, we heard poor Dad Adrian managing his kids at dinner. The kids were acting out and being complete pains. And then he yelled. So let's check back in with him because I want to know how he felt afterwards. I feel horrified at myself I feel ashamed and I think I mean you don't I don't I, I feel like I need to go and make up with them and sometimes I'm torn because you know I don't want to back down from why I was telling them to do the wrong thing but I think recognizing the dealing with it the way I did wasn't the best way to do it so it's, I think it's important to get that across to them that you know yelling and screaming and shouting is never the right way to go about it um it is I find it's a bit of a balance because I'd like the kids to, um, you know, respect the authority and and know that if I ask them something, I'd, you know, it'd be great if they could do what I what I ask. And if they don't, then I'd like them to know that it's, you know, it's not it's not okay. But at the same time, I don't know if yelling is the best way to get that message across. But often in these situations, I feel I either lose control or I feel like there's no other way to get that message across. It's almost in response to their yelling as well, and I feel like I'm regressing and I'm becoming the child. And often I might think it's anger, but I think it's frustration for me is the biggest factor, I think. Right, now let's give Dad and you some really practical steps that you can take when the kids are melting down or when you feel yourself about to lose it. So, tip number one, instead of yelling, try pausing. I know that's just a tiny pause. Throw your arms in the air like, whoa, because what we want to do is capture our kids' attention and get a pause in amongst everything. And if you wave your arms up in the air, they can often look up and see that there's something going on. And then we pause because we've got their attention. And then we can say something like, gee, this isn't really good, is it? This isn't going well. What we're doing is we're really acknowledging for everybody that this isn't really how we want it to be. 
So it's a really important thing because our kids don't need us to be those perfect people. So if you have a moment where you start to feel that your own amygdala has gone into overdrive and the rest of your limbic system is rushing around behind it and you're about to just lose it, please take time to practice my parental pause. We take a breath. The breath says, I'm not going to react, I'm going to respond. Big breath. And then another two breaths. And if you can stand close or near your child, I want you to go, once again, what is going on through my child's eyes? That's what we're wanting you to look at. Not what's going on through mine, what's going on through theirs. So we've paused, we've taken a couple of breaths. I want you to put your right hand on your heart. We want that to be a symbol of this is the child I loved. I do love. I really love. I just need you to remind you of that hand on the heart. And then really, really close to that child. In our mind, what we want you to say to yourself is my child's not bad or naughty right now. They're struggling to cope. What they need right now from me is for me to be their safe base. Let me be what my child needs right now. So what we've done is simply accessed your prefrontal cortex, giving you a chance to pause, seeing the world through our children's eyes. Now, if there's a standoff or a time where you are holding a ground that's really important to you, that requires a no, an absolute definite no, and you've now got a child kicking and screaming and crying, what do we do there? So one of my top tips for that is the fact that um, this is usually one of those tough parenting moments where I want to say, well done. Our children need to know boundaries, but we also don't need to come into being a power struggle on this one. And it's the, how am I saying this? So rather than getting louder and louder ourselves, going, no, I've said to you three times, you're not going to get what we do very quietly is saying, I'm the reason I've said no is this, and I know you're not happy about that. The answer is no. And it's about coming down with the voice rather than going up with the voice. And I know it's really hard for you. You just validate the fact that they're really struggling with it. Seriously. Trust me. I know it sounds too easy to be true, but in actual fact, we want you to hold your ground if it's an important boundary for you. One other tip, try not to command and demand your children. Try to request and ask nicely. We are biologically wired to push back when we're told what to do. So please, next time you're about to take on the next major meltdown for both you and your child, have a go at the parental pause. If you've got some awesome tips and strategies that might also help the rest of us out there manage meltdowns, please share them with me. My email is parentalasanything at your.abc.net.au. And if you're just starting out on the parenting journey, I've got another podcast for you to check out. Baby Talk with Penny Johnson delves into all the weird and wonderful aspects of expecting and having a baby. And it's available weekly on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Next time on Parental As Anything, it's discipline. Often there's a lot of coercion and bribery involved. Three more tries, first, second, third, pick him up, 
put him in the bath fully clad and he absolutely went berserk. I have smacked before because that's what my parents did, but it just felt terrible. (laughs) The do's and the definite don'ts. What's the difference between discipline and punishment? (laughs) So hit subscribe on the ABC Listen app wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss the next episode of Parental as Anything with me, Maggie Dent. <laughs>